Unbillable Hour Community Table, where real lawyers from all around the country with real issues they are dealing with right now meet together virtually to present their questions to Christopher T. Anderson, lawyer and law firm management consultant. New questions every episode, and none of it scripted. The real conversations happen here. This first question focuses on how to respond when clients are complaining about billing. My problem that I would like your input on is I feel like lately I'm getting a lot of clients that are just complaining either about their services or their bill. They just seem generally unhappy. The one thing that I wish I had a dollar every time I heard it, I've paid you all this money and I have nothing to show for it. Yeah, that's totally your fault. Yeah. What am I, what are we doing wrong? What, where should I look? What do I need? Yeah, Two things. So first of all, just uh, help me understand your billing. Do you bill by the hour or do you bill a flat fee? We are billing, we have a monthly payment plan now. Okay. So we wanted to do a subscription as you know. People didn't warm up to that, but they did warm up to a payment plan. So, they so set to, set flat fee with a monthly payment plan or monthly well, till forever? The way it's explained is they're billed hourly, but they just pay almost like how, you know, how you can get your electric bill, like amortized for over the year. Yeah. Sort of like that. Okay. So, but do they get a bill every month? They get a bill bi-weekly. Okay. So you're, so the answer to number one is your bills suck, apparently because you're not communicating value in your bills. So that's that's one source of the complaints. And the other source of the complaints is that you it sounds like you're probably not doing the 730-90 post-hire calls, seven-day, 30-day, 90-day post-hire calls. So super important. Do you eat at restaurants? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you have been delivered the food shortly thereafter, the, the waiter or somebody else comes to your table and asks you a question? Yeah. What do they ask? How's every your restaurant everywhere? The good ones, anyway, right? Yeah. How's your meal? Are you yeah. enjoying yourself? Yeah, the good ones train to, to ask that after you've taken the first two bites. Why do they do that? Um, customer service to no. give you an opportunity to complain. No, <laughs> to make Here's you how... feel like they care. <laughs> no, not even that. Here's how it goes. This is, this is customer experience and it translates completely to law firms. They can't do it before the food's been delivered. That wouldn't make any sense. So they do, they do this. And so this is, this is what I would call the seven-day call. This is where you, you're, somebody in your firm should be reaching out to every new client seven days after hire. How are things going with us so far? Why is that? Because when you've taken a couple of bites, and if it's not to your liking, you're now giving the restaurant an opportunity to convert your experience to a positive one. Uh Because if they do it right, you say, you know, this is overcooked, undercooked, blah, blah, blah. They should take it away and then bring it back better. Like the sucky restaurants, like bring it back, like where they warmed it up, like they they lose this opportunity, but the right ones, like put some extra garnishes on and make it, maybe, maybe even give you a completely fresh steak and do some stuff and make it better than it ever was. Because now when you're done, you don't remember that you complained. You remember what they did to make it right. It's a positive experience. If the manager were to come at the end of your meal and say, how was your your meal? And you said, my steak was overcooked. That's just a complaint. What's he going to do now? You ate the damn thing. You don't even, you're not even hungry. 
So there's like, there's like, what's he going to do? Give you a coupon? Like it's all he's doing now is mitigating the bad, trying to make it less bad. He can, he has no longer has any power to make it a good experience. That's the seven day call. Mm-hmm. You call him after about seven days. How is it going with our services to you? 30 day call. Since you build biweekly, this for you is actually a 14 day call. This is what you want to be doing shortly before the first bill. This should be by an attorney who's managing the case, usually, or even a paralegal, but better the attorney. I hope, you know, I know we, we only talked about a week ago, but uh, I always like to call our clients um, before the first round of bills go out to kind of let you know what they look like, what to expect on them, how to read them, and to make sure that you know how to reach out to us if you've got any questions about it. And you, before this, you email them a sample bill, not their bill, a sample bill, and you go through like where stuff is on the bill and how you talk about things. Oh, and by the way, how are things going with your situation? Blah, 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 blah. Great. Again, this is your second opportunity to, to get a good customer experience and you teach them how to read a bill because maybe your bills actually don't suck, but people aren't reading them, but actually probably that your bills suck, but it could <laughs> be that they don't. Then the, the 90 day call is literally a 90 day call because now they're deep into the case enough so that they either love you or they don't. If they don't, you fix it. And if they do, here's where you start working on their testimonial. You want to get their testimonial while they're still a client, while they're still happy. Nobody's happy at the end because they just got divorced and it sucks. So you want to get that, you know, that positive feedback or negative feedback that you then can fix. Um, It's now more or less a complaint, but you're still working on it. Okay. 7, 30, 90. Bills. Read, grab a bill that went out. Grab two, not one that you sent out, but from, from other people and read it. And if every line doesn't convey value, then it's a bad bill. What do I mean by convey value? What you did, nobody cares. Like if it says anything about what you did, phone call with opposing counsel, drafted motion to restrict parenting time, whatever, nobody cares. Think about saying it in words that mean something to the client. Instead of had phone call with opposing counsel, say called or received call from opposing counsel to resolve dispute for client on this issue so that she can get her goal. Like don't say the words her goal, but like you specify the goal so that she can get more parenting time so she can be less frustrated with, with her husband's attitude, whatever it is. You know, instead of drafted motion to restrict parenting time, it should be like, jumped on the need on clients need to uh, protect children from abusive spouse by working on the necessary court papers for that purpose. Um, Like positive action, but always with how it benefited the client in every single line. We all want to build the sausage making, you know, turned the handle. That's what most bills look like. Turn the handle three times, turn the handle five times, turn the handle two times. And they don't care. They really don't care. They want to know how it benefited them. And then you'll stop getting the questions about nothing and nothing's happened. Nothing's been done because that's what they're seeing. And I, I haven't seen a single one of your bills, so I could be totally off my rocker, but that's usually, you know, causes lead to effects. That's usually the cause that leads to the effect of that complaint. So like, how would you put in an entry drafted complaint or drafted pleadings? I wouldn't. I would say based on clients' goals in this case, 
initiated the case in such a manner as to achieve goal one, goal two, goal three, by filing the initial paperwork in, or drafting and filing the initial paperwork in court. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Our second question addresses the difficulty a lawyer is having teaching systems to the team and managing them. I feel that I have built a law firm where I am the daily, hourly, daily ringmaster of the shit show. And I've been working really hard and intently for the past six years on systems, 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 distilling my knowledge and putting it in systems so that people automatically know what to do. I have some very good people and some not very good people. There's resistance to running the systems. And then I bring in new people and I try to teach them everything I know as quickly as I can, but it kind of requires me to still have like a death grip on the casework and a lot of other things, honestly, to make sure that this isn't getting dropped or this isn't being done incorrectly. And so it's occurred to me that there's probably a component to this that is a me problem. (laughs) And I think that what I really need to do is make sure that I have the right managers in place and empower the managers to manage and make, I don't know, we wouldn't call it a rule or a goal, but to say, these are the standards. Yeah. You get it. It seems like such a huge mountain to climb to get that. It's not. Around. It's not. The, there's a fundamental problem. I'm going to speak a little generically. So don't make it just about your firm. But it, everybody probably knows I'm a pilot. When you fly commercially, there's two of you. There's the captain. That's you. And there's the co-pilot. That's your team. Because you put your, you have a co-pilot in charge of this and a co-pilot in charge of that. When someone comes to work for a new airline, they don't know the systems. Because like people will be shocked by this, but a Delta 737 is not the same as an American 737. The systems are different. You have to learn how to fly the American, or you have to learn how to fly the Delta. And when you transition from one to the other, you've got to relearn the systems, top to bottom. And what does not happen 
is the co-pilot doesn't come in and sit down in the right seat and the pilot starts to show them all the systems and say, this is this system and 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 this is how it all works. And the co-pilot studies and says, yeah, got it, got it, understood. That's how it works. And then they go fly around. That's not how it happens. Because if that were the way it happened, the captain could never leave his or her seat because the right seat's not tried. The right seat's not accountable. The right seat's never had to face the situation on their own. The right seat doesn't have any criteria by which they can judge their performance. And if their performance is subpar, nothing bad happens because the captain has, to use your words, a death grip on the yoke. So the way it actually works in, an, in this situation is that the co-pilot is sent to sim school and there are a list of criteria by which this co-pilot is going to be judged to see how they perform on these systems that they were supposed to learn. And the consequence is if they don't perform up to standard, which I love that you use that word, they wash out, they're done, they're out because there's lives on the line. You know, they have to be able to take care of the plane in an emergency with the captain incapacitated. That's their job. Mm -hmm. Their job most of the time, and this is where your firm comes into play too, most of the time their job is to share the load. So cockpit resource management is what their real job is. Is So when there's two pilots up there, you do these things, I do these things, and it switches all the time, but you, 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 the communication and who's going to do what is very clear. So we'll bring this back out of the cockpit and into law firms. And I, you know, I have some unfair inside knowledge, but the problem that I believe you're facing that many of us do face is not the lack of systems. I think you actually have pretty good systems. Yours is a lack of accountability. Mm -hmm. um, there are no consequences for failing to follow the systems. People still make their bonuses. People still keep their jobs. People make, and this is where I just know you're firm a little bit, but like, I know that people make outlandish projections about revenues and just it's become a habit, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. I think David Nagel, one of the things that David Nagel has said has always stuck with me because it described me uh, during a large part of my life. And it also describes all of us during little moments all the time, which is we get in the habit, each of us, of being unfaithful with our word to ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to eat better today and then you don't. I'm going to have one glass, less glass of wine and, and you don't. I'm going to get up at 5.30 and you don't. And this becomes a habit um, or I'm going to make six sales calls, but you make five. And we get okay with breaking our word to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Well, our employees get even more okay. When the boss doesn't hold you accountable to what you promised to do, give an accurate projection, hit this sales number, hit this conversion rate, get demand letters out by a certain amount of time of case on desk, get cases to mediation by a certain amount of time, okay, whatever the criteria are, mm -hmm. once or twice, and the inmates are running the asylum because they just there's no consequence. They're worse than kids. Employees are worse than kids. Mm -hmm. with this stuff. They need a count. I don't want to say a strong hand because that's not it. It could be a very soft hand, but a clear accountability. You said you do X, you didn't. I can't rely on you to do X. What's the plan to get you to where, you, where you're reliable, 
and I can count on you. Cause that's what accountability means is I can count on you. And I think that's where, where you're struggling right now is that you have a culture that accountability is not the main value mm-hmm. um, of the business. And you, I mean, I know you, I know you, have, you love your team and you have a personal relationship with your team and, 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 and you, you, they're great people. But if you want to step to where you want to step, you know, you can't do it all yourself and you've got to rely on them to do their parts. And, you know, for you, it's still a small team that you need to do that. But the only way you can do that is to be able to be confident in their ability to execute. And the only way you can be confident on their ability to execute is to insist on accountability and to have consequences, real ones. And you're going to lose people over this. Mm-hmm. You'll lose the right people over this. Right. You know, and you're exactly right. And I think that there is kind of a bigger mindset issue with this because somebody said to me recently, you don't have to suffer for success. And it's just, you know, is it a contest to see who's the most long suffering person who can withstand it? Or is it getting a different mindset to say, wait a second, I do not deserve chaos. I do not deserve low quality work or financial unnecessary financial stress. And these are the standards that I'm setting for my own self. I, I, this is what I will tolerate and not tolerate. But you know what the real cool secret is? They want this. Mm -hmm. They crave it Mm -hmm. because they will become better performers. Mm -hmm. And I try not to make every answer a, a book recommendation, but like this is where you if you if you've ever read the five levels of leadership by uh, somebody John Maxwell Maxwell thank you this is how you step from three to four this is how you step from being a leader who induces productivity to a leader who develops leaders that that's where you need to be now you you've brought the firm as far as you can as a level three leader you've got to step into that level four and what I would recommend it would be a fun thing to do is do a self do that assessment in the book. And have your team do it for you as well as a 360. Mm, okay. It'll be eye opening. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm. With six different ways to track time, surely one will fit, even on the go. Or quickly estimate flat fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free. Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com. Our next question is from a lawyer seeking clarity on whether or not to hire a drag in. I 
I was recently reached out for uh, by an attorney. She's a partner at a pretty large firm in Pennsylvania. And for family reasons, she's moving to Maryland to be closer to family, to be closer to future, grand, well, upcoming grandchild. And she's at the point, she's 58. She doesn't really need to work long hours and uh, like she's saying right now. So she reached out and say, hey, I want to be a paralegal at your firm. I talked to her, we agreed to meet, and then she called and, and I purposely, I'm really busy and I have very limited time. She called us and she said, I really need to meet sooner. And then we scheduled her to bring her in four days sooner, but then it means that I have to make a decision quicker, which I really don't like to do in a rush. So my question is, so she wants to be paralegal. I thought longer and hard drafting the documents with the systems we have in place if she's not would not be a good use of her time but where i could use her would be a dragon position doing consultations she actually is going to know quite a bit about the state planning and things like that the concern was that one that she's just gonna and this was expressed i let her in uh, have my team interview her and they kind of voted for probably not to make an offer because they were afraid that she's going to kind of take over and just kind of boss everybody around and typical paralegal position or dragon position doesn't come with an assistant and things like that and then as a partner for a larger firm she might have a struggle and then potentially she gives the legal advice and be in trouble so yeah. just because she was kind of pushing so much stuff and then and initially in her initial email she was asking for quite a bit less but then she came she saw that was pretty interested then she kind of changed her mind how much she would like to get paid and how much does she want to get paid um so initially she emailed she says she would like to get paid in the 50s but then uh, when she came to the office she said look i came to frederick maryland now that i see the prices not that she came and look at the building and price was there and in philadelphia the price was not available uh, now she wants to be paid, you know, maybe in the seventies. A dragon typically gets paid on performance for the large extent of their pay. Where do you not pay on 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 performance for the dragons? I tried to hire a dragon. I was not successful. I yeah. So to me, I've heard four or five red flags for this one. First of all, the change of the appointment time, like you jumped. None of these are fatal on their own, and then you have to make the decision, and then the, the deal has changed, and then your team thought that she was going to be bossy, which I don't know if they would say that to anybody who's in this role, but I, I and I just also have a bias against hiring attorneys for a paralegal role. It's not that I've never done it, it's not that it hasn't been successful, but on balance, I find that stepping back into that role is requires a high EQ, the kind of which would put it, would have figured out how to put your team at ease in their interviews. And she didn't. So on balance, I would probably say this is a pass. Okay. Listen, you know, this is five minutes. It's really, I, I feel, I feel that it's a bit unfair to make that kind of call in five minutes. And I could be very, very wrong, but you know, just based on the way you presented it, you just kept, passing by red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. And like I said, none of them fatal on their own, but on balance, I think this is a high maintenance person who is going to be difficult. 
So that's kind of the expression I got, impression I got, because she was here for five days and I talked to her and I said, would you like to meet on Thursdays? That's when you get a chance to look around and, you know, she was looking for housing here and everything. You know, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, my kind of busy week is going to be kind of almost behind, so I'll, I can concentrate on this. And yeah, she totally called and rescheduled herself. But uh, okay, yeah, thank you. This final question is from a lawyer who wants to know the most efficient way to have their VA help write out processes and procedures. So my question is this, I have a VA on board Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to figure out what's the most efficient way to have that person help me write out processes and procedures. Teach them to her. I mean, it's that simple. So the way I would do that is either you, whoever knows the procedure now, if Mm -hmm. if they're not written out, first of all, record, record, record everything and sit them down. And if you're, if it's like, if you're going to show them how to do it on a computer, do a screen capture while you do it, like a screen recording, like Camtasia, or um, I just use uh, Quick QuickTime, to be quite honest. It's just as good. Camtasia is nice things because when you click, it goes, it shows like a little bouncy ball on the screen. And stuff. But <laughs> like, seriously, like this is like, you should think about this as this is my one and done. I am going to teach this stuff one last time. I'm going to teach it well. I'm going to be thorough. I'm going to let her ask questions. We're going to record it all so she can go back over and over and over the recording. And then she's going to draft it and present it to me for review. Personally, I don't review them because I just never get to it. And so I, I, I learn, I learn like what I won't do. That's one of the things I won't do. So when they're drafted, I hand them off to another member of the team, not to review it, but I say, do this thing, follow these instructions. Okay. You know, build build a peanut butter and jelly sandwich using only these instructions. Mm-hmm. See what happens, yeah. um, and then give feedback to VA as to how it went. And your expectation should be that no SOP is ever right the first time; it's always wrong. And if you ever doubt that, write out how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and hand it to somebody else and see how they screw it up. As you tell them to follow the only follow the directions. Thank you for listening. This has been the Unbillable Hour Community Table on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, These immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.